to Podsploitation, the Ausploitation podcast, where we talk about Ausploitation movies. I'm Callum. I'm Daria. And I'm November. And this month we're going to take a look at Nature Horror 1978's Long Weekend. Listen to the sound of evil. It is out there, waiting. Come side with us. Powerful, deadly, invisible. They came to take a holiday. Now, they are running for their lives. Because something is out there. There are secrets. There are mysteries. There are forces beyond imagination. Challenge them, and every living creature, every blade of grass will turn against you. Prepare yourself for the fright of your life. Christ! Long weekend. An experience in terror and suspense. So, long weekend. I think the tagline is they committed crimes against nature and nature found them guilty. Yeah, or something like that. Which is jumping a stage in due process, really. (laughs) (laughs) Nature should have at least had a trial first, is what you're saying. Maybe we missed the trial. Maybe we just went straight to the judgment. Maybe watching the movie was a trial. (laughs) uh, Oh, I didn't actually... I didn't hate it. Did you not... You found it a bit of a trial? I I didn't hate it. Oh, but it would have been like creepy. You said creepy bugs and insects. uh, Yeah, so the first time I was watching it, it was a, a hot night and... I'm one of those disgusting 12% of people who smokes. So I go outside every hour or so and there were just creepy crawlies everywhere <laughs> and I had to switch it off. I couldn't watch the creepy crawlies and be covered in creepy crawlies. Because Australia... Because um, Australia wants to kill you. Including like a couple of big huntsmen and stuff, wasn't there? Yeah, there were two and there are now none. I don't know what happened to them and I'm not going to look. That's totally fine. Okay, so this the plot of this is really simple. So surely this one time we can just do the plot very just at the start because <laughs> as I think I said in the last two casts, it's got to be so frustrating. So plot: a married couple have some issues. The husband decides that a camping weekend will fix everything because geez, don't we all love camping? So they go off into nature, and nature decides it doesn't want them there. How's mostly, that? Mostly because they're assholes, though. Yes, because they're assholes. Yeah, this is the other, other thing. Most of my feelings about this film kept surfacing as, oh, I hate these people. Oh, yeah. And that's the intent. The intent mm. is to kind of actually play them out. And, in fact, at the start, the uh, female character, Marsha, oh, it's going to sound so Brady Bunch to everyone, but she's actually specifically created to start off as someone you hate and then you're only meant to... Hate him and like her? 
Yeah. Well, we pause for Kitten. No, no. You meant to start to realise why she is the way she is as her story unfolds about what happened and the and the abortion. Was it a white and so apologist on. movie? We came to Australia. We took your land away, but now the land uh, fights back. We came to Australia and destroyed everything, and this is what you get. I don't know. If it, it is definitely one of those we're a horrible people and look what happens when we're too horrible. Because, I mean, there's that point right very early on where he starts chopping down that tree. And, and she asks, like, why? He's just like, because it's there. Yeah. Who he, chops it? Because it's... I don't know if you've ever chopped down a tree, but it is a fair bit of effort. Why he has an axe when he's camping. Oh, they are well set up. They have everything. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually noticed that because they say something... Ah, oh, I didn't write down the amount. She says something about how he's got... A few thousand dollars worth of camping gear. Now, for various reasons, I've been buying camping gear over the last few years because I'm sort of getting into it myself. For various e- reasons, you mean for camping? camping? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. For, all right, then, for a reason, I'm buying a lot of camping gear. Sometimes um, you don't need to make excuses. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. But today, a few thousand dollars would get you an amazing setup. I mean, you can get really good tents for 500 bucks. You can get really good equipment for a few hundred dollars a pop. Two, two and a half thousand dollars would get an amazing setup now. But I reckon he included his gun in camping gear. Yeah. Did you know it was a gun instantly when you saw that box? Yes. Yeah. 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 No gun culture in Australia. <laughs> well. Well, we have rifle culture. So, yeah. But that's actually um. Oh, no, I was going to say it was a pump action, but it's not. It's a lever action, which it you can still action. get. Yep. So. Who looks at their partner through a rifle sight? <sighs> that's not going to eventually kill them. Yeah, that was... I, was that meant to be? I I guess that's a way of saying they have issues because at one point he looks at her through a rifle. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. After the the harpoon thing goes off by itself, even though the safety's on. Yeah. At that point, I would work out. Okay, there's something wrong with my harpoon that makes it go off by itself. I will not reload it and make it pointable at other people <laughs> or things now. There's literally no point in loading your harpoon until you're in the water. Why did he take a harpoon? Well, he was going to do fishing and stuff. I, you know. <laughs> That's a big bloody mullet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Moment has just decided that my notes are the most comfortable place to be. In the entire house. How well can I remember what I... You- Genuinely going to try to go to sleep there, aren't you? Do you want me to put her upstairs? No, He's just okay. watching telly. Oh, you want to be on both her notes. <laughs> the tops. hell are you doing was basically what I got. Okay, cool. No, no. <laughs> oh, so close. All right. Okay. The, yeah, that's Can good. That's good. That's perfect. Somewhere? Yeah. Actually, you know what? Screw it. Hang on. Just... No, 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 no. There's a solution to this. Photograph your notes. I'm going to photograph my notes. Why was I, I not thinking put, about that? Um, Actually, why have I never thought about this? On the bed. No, 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 that's all good, because it suddenly occurred to me, why have I never thought about that? Because then I can scroll through them completely silently and you won't even get the rustle. Oh, my God, technology, man. There, did you want some notes to sleep on? Ha. No, Cashy's going to sleep on your phone. Superior brain. <laughs> um, this is going swimmingly. Yeah. Okay, right. So, yeah, so anyway, so about so $2,500 worth or $2,000 worth of camping gear is still a really good amount of money to spend on camping gear. So, yeah. As you said, he decides to take a camping... She's not an outdoors person and she hates camping. This is his solution to their issues is to do something that she hates. Yeah, I actually wrote that down. I said, she's so not into this. Is this meant to be making up after a fight? I actually wrote that down with exclamation marks and question marks because as you find out later on in the film, there's a story there 
And there's definitely a lot of stuff that he needs to make up for. Yes. And taking her actively somewhere she doesn't want to go, away from her friends and the hotel she keeps talking about in keeps with loving terms. About. Well, she keeps <laughs> talking about how she could... Well, mentions, but she, she mentions that the, there's a hotel somewhere. He's and like, this oh, you'd know all about hotels, oh, wouldn't you? Oh, fucking yeah. asshole. Which reminds me, at some point, can we... Like, I want to try and work out if we're, what we think actually happened. Because I know that the most of the stuff is actually pretty overt when they have their argument, but there's some questions about it. Because I assume that the child was an infidelity. No, not assume. No, they actually, they actually say that, don't they? They imply it pretty hard. I don't know what, what's left of their sex life is like enough if they can know for sure. Yeah, no, that's true. So, yeah, so I guess, as we always say, spoilers, but why are you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie already? It turns out that she has had an abortion. He made her have the abortion... Because for whatever reason, he didn't want the child she was pregnant with. And there's a strong hint that there was an infidelity. I think I see things more clearly than you do, Marcia. I can stand back and view a situation in perspective. I really do see you so much more clearly now. You self-indulgent maggot. You drag me to this awful... Ugly place, and you, you poke your head out of your $2,000 shell like a tortoise and call it reality. Who do you think you're fooling? You're not Tarzan. I'm certainly not Jane by a long shot. What are you trying to prove? Reality, my pet, is punch road at 5pm and dinner parties for the right people are making a whole lot of bread. There's her own words, you bastard. It's reality screwing the neighbours and murdering the unborn. You prick. You were so damn hot for Frida, you pushed Mark and me together. And then you bellow like a wounded tomcat when the whole grotty plan backfires in your face. It wasn't murder. Why didn't you tell me right away? It was none of your business. Do you think I'd agree to having it destroyed? Nothing was destroyed. You said it cried. Those were your words. Oh, stop it, you pig! I'd rather sleep with Mark's dog than sleep with you again. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Blame me instead of yourself. So you didn't want a kid. Me? Me, I love kids. Shit, I despise you. It was all a grotesque mistake, wasn't it? You knew it wasn't mine. So you panicked and you attacked. Just like you attacked that eagle's egg. Now spare me the grotty symbolism. <laughs> this week it'll be a divorce, next week it'll be guitar lessons. You won't leave me though, sugar. Because weak as you think I am, I'm all you've got. We'll see. Mm. Ooh. How we relish the taste of human flesh, Ayla. Eh, Neo cannibals. Estranged cannibals filing for divorce on Monday. Long weekend, sugar. I have to miss tennis and do it Tuesday. The clip I was just listening to makes it sound like the abortion was her idea and that he would have been against it had he known. Oh, yeah, no, you might be I, right. Yes, I don't think she tells him about the abortion initially. Yeah, well, he knows now by the time the movie, yes, but yes, yes. not at but the when time. She had it. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And in the movie she's saying, well, you always said you didn't want kids. And he's like, oh, I love kids, which... Because uh, <laughs> that's not going to be creepy in the slightest. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. I 
And why is it that the... I think the commentary at one point, they say it turns out that he made her have an abortion. That's not correct, is it? No, she had it off her own... Hmm. Bad. And it makes it sound like he pushed her onto the man of this other couple. Yes. So this is the neighbours, Mark um, and the wife, because... Peter, John Hargraves. John Hargraves? John Hargraves, Peter, uh, yeah. Wanted to sleep with the neighbour's wife. Amazing actor. So they do the couple swap. Yeah, so, and this is all very 70s, free love, wife swapping. Uh, I don't know if it's free love, but certainly, well, you know, the keys in the jar sort of thing. Well, yep. it's not even that, because that's random. This is, I want to shag that person. Yeah. So you hook up with him. Yeah, and it sounds as if he was maybe trying to push Amasha onto Mark, so he was quote-unquote, allowed to go off exactly. with Mrs. Yeah. Mark. That's yeah. right. And I don't know what happened to the other couple, but it certainly sounds as though the dalliance of Marsha and Mark led to a conception, which subsequently led to an abortion, which didn't certainly didn't go so well because she keeps saying stuff like, you know, what if I died and... Yeah, and, she was in and, like right. hospital for a while or something, yeah, wasn't and she? Well, what, was a, what was obtaining abortion like in Australia in 1977? I don't know. I mean, it would have been... I was born then, so it can't have been that easy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, don't, I mean, it would have been legal. Well, who says? I mean, it's only just not... It, it's, is this it is still legal years... in Queensland? Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point, yeah. Uh, this Queensland is only four years after Roe vs Wade. Yeah, no, that's true. So I know what the actual process was likely like, Ooh. but I don't know about the obtainability in the state they were in. Exactly. Because they were in New South Wales going by number plates. Ah, now. This, so this is a big question. Yes, because it, it was shot in Victoria. Yeah, except for the sequences which have Tasmanian devils, which were shot in Tasmania. So... Which was weird. It was shot in Victoria and the beaches around Bega somewhere. Mm. So I think the idea is, is that they're in Springfield, Australia. I see, mm. I see. Yeah, there's never any kind of explanation other than that they're with a... <laughs> Sorry. She the got distracted cleaning her own butt to stop and play with the pen. No, just to move it. Jeez. Sorry, was it in the way? Yeah. You were staring at me. Oh, my God. The L Abortion Law Reform Act of 2008 in Victoria. Lord. 2018 in Queensland. Mm. Yeah, all over the place. Um, so... Well, certainly post-1977 in ACT, because I remember it. Yeah. So that Your means that... Born. What do you mean you remember it? Oh, you remember I remember it? reading about it later. Reading no. okay. But it was yeah, post-1977 because I remember it happening, therefore I must have been born. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excellent detective work. <laughs> if it was, if it happened in 1974, I wouldn't have remembered it happening. So I, I still uh, can absolutely picture that in 1977 in bloody Australia, we're pretty backwards. Yeah. I can certainly imagine abortions could be difficult and possibly West, illegal. Western Australia well, it was 1998. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Jeez. It would have been a lot less socially condoned in 1977, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It may even have been that it was caused... Oh, I was going to say caused by a complication, but Peter sort of makes it pretty clear that it was her choice, mm. I think. I think it sounds like the abortion, regardless of how legal it was, and possibly if it was illegal, led to a complication mm. on her side, which yeah. eventually was treated and why 
well, why she's saying her nether regions are out of commission, but she goes and uses them herself shortly afterwards. Yeah, I, I, her sex drive is fine. She just doesn't want to shag you, Peter, because yeah. you're an arse. But and it's you're ob- camping, you idiot. But it's obviously at least plausible for that to be the case. Yes. yes. So, yeah, so basically the he thinks a weekend of roughing it is somehow going to make everything better. So we have the wildlife. Is there a snake? I don't recall seeing a snake. No. no. Okay. Because so th- this is... Adam and Eve have an abortion. Garden of Eden tries to kill them. Ooh. I was waiting for a snake. Man, that's wow. a deep dive. Oh, I, really? I hadn't considered that one at all. That's really kind of cool. Man, I want to go back now and see if he makes up names for everything. That's really cool. No, I hadn't actually taken that at all. I mean, he calls his gun Mr. Shooty. Well, no. <laughs> Shooty McShooty. Walks along the Mr. Sand Sand to have his Mr. Beer Beer. Um, <laughs> Well, no, because this was the thing. Okay, so, all right, so there's a couple of things about this. The movie didn't do very well in Australia, and the producer actually posits on the director's commentary of the the DVD, which is an Umbrella DVD, (laughs) that one of the reasons is that this concept of nature turning around and attacking you is not that unusual to Australians. No, it wouldn't we feel. It. Yeah, and it wouldn't feel weird. We go to the beach all the time. Yep. And if we were to camp somewhere, there in the middle of nowhere, there's no campground, there's no facilities. Yeah. You're so it was going to have bugs every. Yeah. Things Pe- will try and kill you. People who have lived in Australia a long time are going, "What are you doing, you e- idiots?" Exactly yes. right. Go and back that- to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it was seal yourself in like armor. It was quite successful overseas, where of course people hadn't seen this environment, and it wasn't something they did every week. Yeah. So so the hostile environment exactly. So it did really really well in Europe. It, I mean, it picked up most of its awards in France and uh, in Spain. So that was one of the things. The idea that the environment will attack you is not unusual to Australia, so maybe that was the reason it wasn't very successful over here, because people were like, huh? But all the things that attack, with the exception maybe of the sea eagle, are the most harmless things in Australia. Mm. There are no snakes. There are no spiders. She throws the egg. That's the abortion again. Uh, Oh, yeah, no, that's that's true. Peter even calls out the symbolism. Wright is actually a bit proud of himself. <laughs> and I did notice that there was intentionally a, a, a bunch of fake blood within the middle of the yoke as well when she throws it he against it the... Fake. Okay, but, but, but it's... <laughs> as opposed to if you just threw an egg, you would expect to see white and yolk. This one's all very bloody and... and yeah, and you get bloody eggs too. Oh, no, no, I do. Yeah, but it's, I would imagine that was an... It's It's heavily implying there was a baby eagle within yes. rather than just yes. a yolk. Yes. yes, is the point I'm trying to... Thank you very much. So can I read this little bit that I found, which was... A statement by uh, Everett Derouche, who wrote it. I started Long Weekend as a way to avoid the TV cop show doldrums while convincing myself I was still, inverted brackets, working. Ah. Long Weekend was a unique project because I began with no outline, no notes or research, very little idea as where the story was going, and absolutely zero knowledge of screenplays. I simply started at page one, scene one, and made it up as I went. I had only a vague plan to write a kind of environmental horror story. My premise was that Mother Earth has her own autoimmune system, so when humans start behaving like cancer cells, she attacks. Yeah, and nature's got it in for these two, that's for sure. Mm. Well, yeah, but they started it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And they, they, they killed the kangaroo. That's the start. Oh, actually, no, it's before that. Because if you've watched the commentary, there's the whole discussion about shooting anamorphically in the uh, in the car scene at the start. Mm. And uh, so that's how to keep them both in focus. Yeah, with what they call a... Di- mu- uh, I actually wrote it down. Multi... 
diopter lens. It's it, the simplified version is that you set the camera up and you have a piece of glass which carries two focal distances. Split field diopter. That's the one. So that what you do is you you have two subjects that are very clearly very you know one's very close to the camera, one's very far mm. away. They're both in focus because literally halfway down the middle is a physical break in the way that the focal length goes, and you can see blurs. You can actually see a blurry line between the two in some shots where they use this. And you can tell that they're using that split with his cigarette mm. because they can't move their heads forward or back at all. But he is smoking a cigarette, and so right before that end scene, he has a drag of the cigarette, chucks it out the window and starts a fire. Yes. That's their first crime against nature. And on the off chance that we actually have non-Australian listeners, bushfire, and under the circumstances, it's actually pretty telling because, of course, we're in the middle of some of the worst California bushfires that have ever been there, big wildfires over there. And it's not even summer. Mm. Bushfire is a big deal in Australia, uh, and bushfires started by people torching cars or throwing cigarette butts out of windows. It's the really common way it happens. So that's a big one. And Australians, I think even then in the 70s, would have got... You don't throw a you'd... cigarette out of car? Yeah. Actually, no, because I've, I've always smoked. And my friends did it when we were 18 years old. I, yeah, I did it because I don't like littering, but they had no problem chucking. <laughs> but then it was in the middle of... Winter? Urban landscape. Like oh, yeah. Concrete everywhere. And yeah. And they were 18. Well, there's that. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say 18 yeah. year old smokers. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, if you wanted a crash course in what not to do in Australia, these guys pretty much tick every box. They do. And if you hit a kangaroo, please stop and go check if she has a pouch and a little one. Mm. Oh, yes. So, dead kangaroos are just bloody everywhere, right? Uh, especially at the moment we're in a drought, they couldn't find a dead kangaroo and had to fly one in. Yeah, yeah, they yes. had that executive, and it was an executive, executive jet, apparently jet. a Learjet, the guys were saying, you had to fly But who do you call? Who do you say, look, have you got any dead kangaroos hanging around? I don't, anyone, <laughs> literally anyone else in Australia, because it's, you drive to... It's Facebook, you can't just put a call out. Oh, maybe they've called back to, like, the studio or the headquarters, whatever, and said, what are we going to do, man? We can't find a dead kangaroo. And they went, oh, there's, like, six on this block, and <laughs> six one over. I oh, challenge anyone... I hope it wasn't summer, because those things... Uh, I, I honestly challenge anyone to drive more than half an hour on a major Australian highway and not see a dead kangaroo. That kind of blows well, my mind that they well. couldn't do it. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, maybe middle Central Australia, or actually no, no not Central Australia, Queensland would. I mean, I saw a bunch in Tasmania when I drove along there. No, I would. I would suggest Tasmania. Only got three roads, so. Well, yeah, sorry. that's true. Sorry, Tasmania. <laughs> the one got on three the, main roads. The one on the left, the one on the right, the one down the middle. Yeah, wow. That was good apology there. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, re. I think Mother Nature's been gearing up for a while because the news report at the start. Well, oh yes talks about some birds attacking and that's right even the dead birds start attacking with the frozen chicken keeps yeah rotting maliciously rotting on well, and oh her. no yeah she no she drops it drops it but she didn't drop it on her foot so that's all right that would have hurt a warning shot yeah mm. who takes a frozen chicken camping yeah that <laughs> that seems like one of the Worst foods to take camping. It's, it's not ideal unless they have it's a, a powered fro- esky. And it's not a frozen cooked chicken. No, no, no this is yeah, this is a to point raw, raw. I look. If he's got a fridge unit in there, which I think he does, because he pulls beer out of somewhere mm. all the time, then there's no yes, reason. Everybody takes beer camping. Well, not yeah. you, Daria, but because <laughs> you neither <laughs> camp nor drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you did, you would. Um, but I would also say in either direction to, that could work to keep. To keep a frozen chicken in a good state, 
compared to keeping beer drinkable. Yeah, mm. I mean, you could just, lots of people, you just put your beer in the water, that'll keep it cold. Well, you just, don't do that with the chicken. Yeah, and if you drink... You're just going to get every disease. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you drink beer that's a bit warm, then oh well. It's warm beer. It's yeah. not as good as cold beer, if, but it won't give you listeria. Yeah, if you eat chicken that's not been thawed properly, you can but, get hella sick. I mean, I'm thinking about it now. I mean, if I were to go camping... You know, in that kind of an environment where they're bringing most of it with you in the form of a big tent and like a a truck and stuff, there's no reason why I wouldn't be tempted to throw in a bunch of, you know, basted chicken drumsticks or something. You cook them on the barbecue and you'd be fine. So, yes, but compared to a a whole frozen, uncooked But I'm wondering if that's what they had in the because I don't recall that you could go down to Coles or Woolies in the 1970s or even the early 80s and get, you know, honey soy chicken wings with a. I would imagine you couldn't in Australia. Reduce glaze. And yeah, that's what I mean. Is chicken but or steak? In the seventies we had or was it okay, I'm trying to think from Heston and Super Sizes Go when we had all the convenience food starting at Super Sizes Go and I think that started mostly in it was like pretty entrenched by the seventies. Yeah, you had mash and or smash and all of those kind of products. Exactly. But I don't know whether they would be camping. A... I don't see, I I mean, I don't know. It didn't seem that weird that they might bring a frozen chook in the middle of camping. So Really? Yeah, yeah, but I might just be wrong on that. I don't know. I mean, these days it's all packets of couscous and, you know, jerky and energy bars. So, you know, if you're going out for a weekend and you've got access to a fridge, why wouldn't you take they don't you know, some frozen snacks? Well, maybe. Well, yeah. I. Oh, no. Actually, no, it's not, powered uh, by the car. It is. I was just car. about to say, you're, you're right. absolutely right. Yeah, no, there's because a secondary the, battery. The Chekhov's yes. clicker. Mm-hmm. Yes, Chekhov's clicker. Yes. Chekhov's clicker? The Chekhov's gun. Have you heard the Chekhov's gun? Okay, so Chekhov's gun is uh, the idea that if a particular... Oh, God, actually, what's the best way to explain the theory? Well, the actual uh, proverb, as it were, says that if there's a gun pictured over the mantelpiece at the beginning of the play, it will be used to shoot someone by the end of the third act. Right. And broadly speaking, it means if something is shown and appears to be innocuous yet is fairly prominent, it will become important later in a piece mm. in this case all the stuff with peter screwing around with look i can turn the power to the fridge or to the main car yeah. becomes important when he tries to sabotage it on her and she indeed learns how to unabotage it in yes. the process yeah and that was almost a real prison break type feel for that that yeah, he's intentionally that? kind of keeping her prisoner there well, um, she says so many times she gives him so many opportunities to leave mm. and not all of it is when she's angry with him some of it she is genuinely scared mm. and he's just i'm big aussie bloke you know you're all you need is me and you'll be fine well that's yeah. possibly part of his misguided thinking that he thinks that he'll make her depend on him to come back depend oh. on him so she'll come back to him right that's... Rather than reconcile through actual reconciliation. Yeah. Wow, that's... okay. I can see that. I get the impression that on various levels, these two aren't nice people. No, absolutely not. No, not at all. Yeah, and I mean, that was what we were talking about before, that it's very much that idea that you need to hate them from the outset, and that means you're almost rooting for nature to take them out, and... I... Which is interesting because it's not nature that kills them; it's themselves. Well, yeah, that's actually you're absolutely right. Yeah, because at the very, very end, he he does her in with the spear gun, only because he he's an thinks... idiot. Well, and also, I mean, he's he's pretty pretty messed up by that stage. You know, the yes. whole the whole of nature is attacking, and that's. Oh, so there's another... They could have just gotten in the car and stayed there till morning and probably been fine. 
Yeah, no, oh, God, no, yeah. Well, or they could have... Well, actually, if they had gone that night, if they'd driven when he wanted to, do you reckon they would have got out or would they have just continued to do loose? They wouldn't have got out. No, they gone. wouldn't have got out. The nature no. was definitely headed in for them. Yep. But they had two dawns since then. Yeah. That's right. And gonna... in fact, at one point he says, yes, we can leave in the morning and then just does no such thing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Very, very quickly, what I was going to say, just a reference to Chekhov's gun, one of the best uses of that is in a movie by the Coen brothers called Blood Simple, which literally has a gun where you actually are, each chamber is actually sort of, um, it's a six shooter and it is designed to take out individual people one at a time yeah. and, and is set up in such a way that there are a couple of blank chambers that are used just as effectively as bullets in a way that's done. So yeah, if ever you want to see a really good discourse on the Chekhov's gun okay, theory, cool. blood simple, really good. All right, so so they intentionally, the, the makers of the film intentionally left a lot of it open. Do we think that nature is having a go at the entire world? No. I, th- I think it is using them as a sort of initial strike scapegoat. Okay, cool. Well, I don't think nature's gone specifically pro-life in the abortion sense. <laughs> I'm sure nature's fairly pro-life in the generic sense. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I don't think that this is nature's sort of, you know, you had your crying abortion thing and now going to throw eagles at you. Yeah. But I think nature has, and I think it's partly because of the news report about birds at the start before they go anywhere, nature is sort of getting sick of the humans screwing it over and is going, right, time to fight back. These two idiots have come out. So they're they're right at the edge of the infectious wound, so to speak. So they're the ones right at the forefront of where the white cells are being... Ground zero. Sent. Yeah, and almost saying, let's see how these two do. And they start shooting trees and smashing up dugongs uh. and, <laughs> and throwing baby eels against other trees. Oh, and... my God, yeah. Because that was going to be my next step is do we think... Because you could also get to the end of it. Why have we not it... talked about the zombie dugong yet? So oh, yeah, no, well, well, because that's, that's a main feature of it. Isn't it? <laughs> that, that's like the main plot. <laughs> yeah. Because then the other thing is you could get to the end of the film and it could all be in their head. That's very true. There's no one aspect of the film that plays out in a way that is intent. You could argue that possum will react the way a possum will Mm. react. The dugong was just simply nearly dead, and so it it wasn't supernatural in any way. It just dragged itself up the beach, even though it was nearly dead. She was pining for her calf. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is that there's no one aspect that you couldn't look through the lens of, this was just some shitty sequence of events that happened to some shitty people on a shitty weekend. They could just have incredibly bad luck. So then the next question is, if you don't think that the world is attacking the human race, do we think something weird is going on, or do we think it's literally just two people having a really shitty weekend? Well, it's not just two people, because as Dario has mentioned again, the birds attacking... No, but that's that's what I'm saying. That could just be... That could be anything. That could be sort of just one of those who knows why this is a happening thing. This could be totally irrelevant. Because mm. I definitely got nature was absolutely having a crack at these two in a way that is uh, supernatural. I suppose literally it couldn't be. Mm. But in a way that is unusual and different and weird, that there's some kind of bizarre driving force behind the zombie dugong and there is some kind of strange... I mean, those sound effects and stuff that are there. But I think it was more than just a simple weekend. I mean, that massive cobweb that he kind of gets stuck in with his four-wheel drive at the end that actually stops the entire car. Oh, yeah, car. that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised not to have snakes, and I was really surprised not to have some more spiders. And that was the thing I was going to say, is all the stuff that attacks is pretty much neutral as far as an mm. Australian is concerned. You, yeah. We have snakes, we have spiders, we have ticks, we have 
Um, ticks aren't particularly dramatic on film. Well, no. But like, he, he does have the whole mosquito thing happening to him. Just There's... after he shoots the ocean. <laughs> because of reasons. <laughs> well, at least he's not going to miss the ocean. <laughs> well, also, when he has the other body of water, he throws his beer bottle into it and shoots that. Yeah. So if they're hacking off nature, he's really putting in the hard yards. It's just, it's almost, lo- well, almost laughable. It is an extreme, but it's almost laughable how badly these people treat the environment. Well, him especially. Yeah, oh yeah, very much so. I mean, she smashes an egg. An eagle attacked me. Shit. Eagles don't attack people. Spear guns don't go off with the safety on. It was the chook. He was probably after the chook. You can smell the thing a mile away. It was a she. She wanted her egg. What if you didn't even see it? Yeah, she's just trying He's to mind up. her own business. Yeah. Uh, well, Mostly. Yes. Because these, like, half-litre cans of beer, and he opens one and slugs some back and then chucks the bottle in the ocean. I'm just like, you barely touched that. Why are you, why are you shooting at beer now because I'm Australian? <laughs> Which also will make a bunch of broken sharp bits in the water worse for anything in there. I genuinely yeah. thought that when he blew the bottle away. It's like, aren't you going to swim there later? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> oh, just yeah. Excellent. Now there's just broken bits of crap on the, uh, on the glass. So is the message of the movie humans are shitty and nature will get back at us or is it just shitty things happen to shitty people? I think it can be both. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little of column A, little of column B. It's I mean, layered stuff. Occasionally you feel sympathy for these these people, but it keeps coming back I to... I feel no sympathy for him whatsoever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I only feel sympathy for her in the she's stuck there thing. Mm. Pretty much everything else she says and does. I listening to the Listening to the director's commentary in particular, they did... It made it seem like they intentionally made her a character you were meant to start hating. That's absolutely true, yes. But were meant to dial back to a level of sympathy, which I just don't feel happened. Because you're meant to, as the story unfolds, and maybe... Well, she stops yelling at him at a point. Because mm. all their internet, uh, all their interactions... <laughs> all their the, internet. <laughs> all their interactions at the start is like, oh, Peter's being a real shit, and, yeah. and she just uh, every sentence is short and sharp and... Mm. Yeah, and, and as he, but as that he said, it was like. A, a day or so in. Yeah, actually, I think the producer, Richard Brennan, actually says on the commentary. Oh, this is um, his wife, by the way. Yeah, uh, no, Colin Eggleston. Oh, it's Colin Eggleston's yeah, wife, who's also Nick, who's on the phone right at the start. Yeah, who's apparently meant to be yeah, the, the lover that mm. we, we think got her pregnant. Yeah, he actually says, you know, you're meant to be at the start going, just shut up, just shut up, just shut up. And then at some point, you're meant to dial that back because you hear the horribles. And maybe it's just. Given the, the the stigma around abortion, maybe that story would have been much more shocking and would have been a much more sympathetic Possible. play yeah. out. Well, the way they played it was certainly in this way that suggests the audience, if not the actual one other character in the scene, is supposed to be, holy crap, did they just say the A word? Mm. Oh, yes. And again, I think even people who today aren't in favour of abortion are less shocked in the surprise sense when it turns up in a fiction. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. She had a kid she didn't want, therefore she got rid of it. It's like, Mm. you you might not support it, but that's just... I mean, you're not going to support people dying. You're not going to support people killing other people. So that's just another one of those things in the movie Mm. you don't... And it's it's described in some quite graphic terms, which, like, that that it was... Crying, yeah, and I noticed that, that. That he didn't know about it till afterwards, and 
Yeah, they really try to make it as, as graphic a description mm. of what it is as, as possible. Oh, Jesus, we can't just leave without her. Look, it's not going to take very long to go down the other oh, end of the Jesus, beach, is it? I'm going to get you! Look, Marcia! I'm not leaving without Cricket. Cricket's dead. You're lying. I buried her. Where? In the bushes. You're lying! Not going without cricket. I just thought it was a weird thing to say. I killed your dog. That or, was really. I, I killed weird. our dog. Is it meant to be their no, dog? No, it's his dog. It is his. Yeah, dog. this is made very clear at the start. It yeah. Is. I can't ask our neighbours to take care of your dog when we go for away for weekend. Yeah. Which doesn't actually seem that much of an ask, to be honest. But I really want to leave no. here, so I killed your dog. Let's go. There's no but, point yeah, waiting. No, that it was so that's strange. Scary. Yeah. By it's... this point, any kind of sympathy is warm. No. Can I say something about the dog? It was a really old dog and it had a heart condition and they were terrified it was going to die while they were feeding. <laughs> well, yeah, because they originally, I think they used Colin Eggleston's own dog. And it was just too friendly. Yeah, it had no training. It was just simply a dog that everybody knew, so it couldn't be trained to, to do the stuff that it needed to do for the film. Just so wanted they had to, to hang out, out with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit cute. Um, so I watched this movie with Quentin. Uh, I remember saying... Who the hell takes Playboy magazine away with them? But he said it was, you know, at the time they actually mm. had writers in them and he may have actually been reading it for the articles as mm. people pr- apparently did back in the 70s. He certainly wasn't reading the articles and the sequence that shows what he's actually looking at. Well, no, that's, that's true. But no, you re- yeah, I mean... Yeah. The, yeah, there's quite a popular joke. Playboy is one you could indeed read for the articles. Mm. Yes. Well, some major... I think it was Stephen King, I think, got a lot of his publishing started yes, in Playboy. So. And, and there were a James lot of Bond short stories. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of authors got bits and pieces. It was very definitely a an article-heavy, a decent magazine, and then mm. occasionally there were... Um, naked ladies. Naked ladies. In, <laughs> in fact, and I'm wondering if I actually mentioned this on a previous podcast, my dad, who is a relatively straight-laced you know, military person from back in the day. British he was gentleman. actually, yeah, he was a member of the British Playboy Club and actually took mum there on a date because before it was disgusting and sleazy. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know whether it was before it was disgusting and sleazy, but Playboy carried a certain for the era a certain. Uh, I want to say gravitas. Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, gravitas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a mm. yeah, it was a decent decent thing. But no, even though he absolutely could be reading some incredibly interesting story by some incredibly well written author, he's definitely looking at the nudie pictures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she's got a dirty book and all. So, although it's a weird one because it's not technically a dirty book. So this is really oh, weird. you looked it up. Yeah. So similar to when we did the podcast of Next of Kin, the book was actually very carefully chosen and then they totally forgot what it was and we oh, worked out what it was. Right. Yes, um, you did your detective work on that one. The, the novel... Oh, did you put them on IMDb? Sorry, that's uh, irrelevant. Let's go on. <laughs> still have an actual, I actually have a page saved or I want to get it from a, a second-hand bookstore that we know here in Canberra who is awesome. Shout out, Luke Canty. Why, why would you say just a second-hand bookshop that we know... This is Candy's Bookshop in Wollongong Street, Fish Week, and they're fantastic. If you're in Canberra, the best secondhand bookshop in Canberra. If you're not in Canberra, come just for it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I'll, uh, I'll hit him up for some sponsorship. Um, <laughs> so that one was a collection of sci-fi short stories. This one is a novel called The Inheritors, which is actually written that by... like it should have been in Next of Kin. 
It, it does. Well, this one's actually, it's a book by William Golding, who also did Lord of the Flies. And now, this is where it breaks down because she's reading the Harold Robbins book called yeah, Inheritors. Yeah, and that's the thing. The cover is really, it looks like classic kind of Joan Collins romantic stuff because that's what it actually is. Everybody mistakenly thinks that it's the William Golding Inheritors and that actual book, The Inheritors, is a prehistoric fiction novel. Maybe she's really into people. dinosaur porn because that is big. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, God. There's actually, uh, there's an actress who specifically does all of is, the audible audiobooks of dinosaur porn that oh, are there. Oh, yeah. I, I got... I was looking at that the other day. Yeah. Probably Probably because we talked about it on here before. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the reason. Sure. Sorry about the dinosaur porn, everybody. Um, Yeah, so the short version is it's not the William Golding version of The Inheritors, which is a really well-known book that's about prehistory and supposedly feeds into a lot of the subject matter that's actually in the film and is instead actually a really sleazy Joan Collins-style romantic book. But everyone kind of assumes it's the wrong one and they sort of reference that that's an important aspect of it, which it isn't. Right. So there we go. No, I, uh, I I had a look into that, Noah, and it's interesting that it's not what everyone thinks it is, but, yeah. So, Callum, you were just thinking about this movie being shot in sequence. Yeah. Now, I believe it was. I actually wrote down very early on, I, I wonder... I read it somewhere as well, but yeah. I didn't write it down, so that doesn't help, but I believe it was, and they just had absolute luck. Any time it was meant to be sunny, it was. Every time it was meant to rain, it did. And the few times that they said that the weather wasn't necessarily the best they were able to well, they put set up a tent at the local surf club yes they did yeah uh, and in fact funnily enough the sequence where um marcia has her her book moment was actually set inside the tent inside the scout hall it must be hard uh, to shoot in a tent which was I, well it's a very open tent if you it's see a great tent. A, i like it a lot yeah yeah it's only a few thousand dollars apparently <laughs> well, sometimes they just lift up one side entirely and they yeah. pull it through there Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Mm, it sort of zips open. Uh, but, yeah, they did actually film inside it. He, it was interesting. Initially, they thought it was a surf club, but then they mentioned a scout hall, so I don't know if they had one of each. Because they didn't build any sets. This was actually one of the things no, I mentioned. so when they go to the service station near the start, that where he gets the beer, sorry, the gas station, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was a real place, and I think they painted the, uh, the front because it did, didn't look quite right. Yeah, so they reckon that they did some minor changes in painting and things, but none of it was actually shot on a soundstage or inside its all location shots. In the servo, were you confused by that machine he's feeding money into that doesn't work? Yeah. Did you... do? Is that a way of getting petrol from back in the day? No. Okay, so because I was watching this with an old person and <laughs> <laughs> and he said they were very uncommon in Australia. You'd find them throughout Europe, but they were always terribly unreliable. Okay. So it's a bit like when in the UK for many, many years, you actually had a meter where you physically had to put money into the meter to actually get power going. It was the idea that you, you would automatically similar. put money in. Oh, no, automatically. You put money in and therefore it would work. Yeah, so there was no chance of I stealing fuel. Cinema. Ah. Uh, cinema? Cinema? Similar. Similar. <laughs> and that's why he has nothing in his jerry can, which is why he runs out of petrol. Uh, yes. Yet another... But why did he, he put the money in and it didn't work and he didn't go into the guy inside to say, hey, the thing didn't work, can you give me a hand, mate? He's yeah. too busy being pissed off at his wife and looking at everything except the road while he's driving. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. He yep. is so waiting for smartphones to be invented so he can just... <laughs> Cruise along playing Tetris and whatever. <laughs> and interestingly, uh, a lot of those sequences were filmed in a garage. 
Um, yes. They actually faked it by literally having people run past holding lights. Torches! Yeah, yes. to make it look like it was the cars. It was very effective, though. <laughs> yeah, it worked really well because, as we obviously will say again and again with a lot of these films, because of both the age of the movie and the money that's involved, very rarely would they use special effects. So, so quick side note, the budget for this was actually 267000 but they went over... And it was two seventy grand, even that yep. they made it an for an extra three thousand dollars on the budget. I wonder um, if that was taking a second unit to Tasmania to shoot a. <laughs> I, I wonder. Devil. It was I a flight for the kangaroo. I was just wondering how <laughs> yes. much would a fucking corporate jet for a kangaroo cost? Surely it can't be less than a couple of hundred thousand. So hundred thousand for a flight? No, oh, maybe. Well, yeah, back in the day, yeah. who well, knows? Because no, this is the seventies. Air travel was very expensive. But I guess if you've got access to the jet already, then the fuel would be relatively cheap. In comparison, I never did the thing which I, I normally do with these sort of films, which is actually stop it at some point and do a conversion to work out how much the fuel was per litre, what the cost was, oh, but I would imagine yes, it would be really, yeah, something ridiculously small. But uh, yeah, so all of the stuff was done in camera, uh, similar to as we had the discussion with Next of Kim, where they physically created a lightning using fuse wire. Yeah, that was great. They actually talk about the fact that they didn't do what's called day for night, which yes. interestingly on yes. the... and which I love because it looks terrible so often, mm. especially when you're on a low budget. Mm. And especially when you try to mix it with real night. Yes. Yeah, oh gosh, yes. Yeah, suddenly the moon's very bright and then there is no moon and then the moon's very bright. Interestingly, when they're talking about it on the podcast, on the podcast, on, on the, the audio commentary, audio commentary, they call it American Night. They do, yeah, I found that interesting. So it must have been, yeah, I noticed that too. Default kind of standard for American movie, and it is. I mean, if you watch so many horror films, there's always you know incredibly bright, you know, sharp, and that's well, the way Outback you Outback ca- Vampires, which we didn't get to see. Oh god, we will, we will definitely do Outback Vampires. Oh well, I won't say definitely. It's just a, it's a well, question we of access. It. Yeah, <clears throat> umbrella. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll tag umbrella in this. The the fact that a lot of it has to be done in camera, so even things like people running past with torches in a garage, just looks that little bit more realistic. Um, they they talk about the fact that the sequence where the spear gun goes off, the spear gun that why the hell are you loading in the middle of your campground? Well, yeah, there's that. Was done. In shot, it was actually uh, really done in front of the camera. Now, they did use some techniques where they use a very long lens, which means it's got a deep focal length. And what that means is you can have people... The actress looked a lot closer than she physically was. Very far apart. The the extreme version of that, of course, is a lot of the forced perspective shots that are used in Lord of the Rings were done using that sort of camera, which brings everything very close. But, yeah, basically just literally just off camera, you've got a guy shooting a spear gun into a tree. And that's why it looks real, because... It's a spear gun yeah. shooting into a tree. Yes. Um, there was nothing in this film. Well, like, there was the bird attack. We looked looked rubbish. But there wasn't much that looked terrible in this movie. Well, yeah. I mean, the bird attack. I remember looking at it the first time, thinking it looked terrible, and then going back, and and most of the, it may just be the way that it was cut getting a lot of the, the shots. Maybe, yeah. The producer and the director say that the prosthetic hand that's bitten by the possum looks really good. What it doesn't look like is completely not real, as in it look, doesn't look digital. But I found it looked really good. Yeah, but you're the right. The fingers don't look digital. That's the a fingers, problem. I know. <laughs> Thank oh. you. Thank you very much. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink for now. <laughs> this is another one that's been remade, so I'm wondering how many of those techniques they stuck to in the 2009 version. I would be really that's curious. That's an interesting question. I did compare only one sequence, which was the truck so crash at the end. So I only watched one bit, mm-hmm. because I didn't know if we'd be doing the remake separately. Mm. But I don't think it's actually terribly different in story terms. I was going to ask, is it, is it almost one of these shot-for-shot ones? Or? Well, she only watched one bit. Well, mm. the one bit I had was the, the truck 
hitting John Hargraves. Yeah, ah, yes. Peter, John Hargraves, and uh, Jim Cavazero. <laughs> I don't know how his name's pronounced. I thought I love it. Okay, the bloke from Person of Interest. <laughs> Jimmy C. <laughs> Cavizel? Something like that. And boy, how did they go to town on the effects for that in 2009? Oh, oh really? Yeah, That'd be in, fun to watch just for Jim Unpronounceable, actually, because he's pretty awesome. In 1978, you do see him get hit by the truck and then see him trail the blood back to his body and the truck driver mm-hmm. chases back and he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an interesting little point about the truck driver at some point. We'll, oh, yes, we'll get to, get to. In 2009, he really gets splattered to pieces in the impact. That's interesting because one of the things I really kind of got, if we, we're going back to that whole, you know, has the whole world started to go crazy or not, the bird style, is that his reaction is very interesting. I didn't... It was a very minimal reaction from the truck driver. I mean, he's he's obviously upset and he's, you know, hit someone, but you don't see him, you know, fall to his knees and scream wide of the heavens or mm. do anything overly reactive. And I actually thought that was kind of powerful because there is then a hint that it's not as confronting to him as it could be. So you question mm. then the motivations of the truck driver and, and, you know, has anything else happened at the time? I remember an ad, there was an ad years ago, uh, Australia is sort of well-known in particular Victoria, for having some pretty confronting traffic ads. Oh, God, yes. Uh, and there was an advert which involved a guy who was driving his family and was beginning to nod off because in Australia, distances on the roads, there's a real danger of people having these micro-sleeps. I love that we're tailoring this to a European audience. I'm tailoring it to Germany a, for I'm groceries. Ta- I'm tailoring it to a non-Australian audience. On a, <laughs> please, 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 please. <laughs> but, yeah, there was an advert which basically had this, this, this family driving, and what happens is the car drove past a truck coming the other way and then drove into the back and slams under the wheels. Mm. And then the next shot is a wide shot of the guy getting out of the cab of the truck, and he kind of runs back to the car, has a quick look, and his shoulders droop, and that's all you see. Yeah. But it's really powerful because it's such a... They did some very full-on Oh, they did some hardcore ads. And I remember thinking a very similar kind of vibe in this because it's not this close-up with lots of, you know, ripping of the hair and why for, why for kind of stuff. I thought it was kind of powerful. It was just sort of he's in the middle of nowhere and he's just killed a guy and now he has to deal with being in the middle of nowhere having just killed a guy. So I thought it was really cool. And unless you have another topic, can I just go completely off topic for a moment? Uh, So John Hargraves was absolutely loved, Mm. uh, especially by women. He was gay and, and HIV and AIDS are in the news at the moment, which is why I just wanted to... Uh, take a moment to say that is what uh, eventually killed John Hargraves. He wasn't that old at all. Mm, he was in his, what, 50s? 40s? Something like that. Yeah, Could have been 40s. Let's take a peek while you're talking. Yeah, and um, he was just an absolutely loved man, um, mm. very, very gorgeous guy, and it was just... Um, back when we just didn't know any, uh, nearly enough about uh, HIV or AIDS and that that was mm. the end of his and life. In fact, Jackie Weaver left her husband to go and care for him. Wow, and left her husband. I hadn't realised that. Gosh, and I don't even know. Which husband was it? Was that Darren Hinch? Surely not. No, no. Darren. She was married to Darren Hinch later, though. Mm, yeah. Probably she not. 
But, <laughs> but I, I do know that, and it's, it's kind of interesting when you look at John Hargrove's characters through film, is that he very much plays that kind of lovable Australian. He's, he's, he's very much Ocker. He's, he's often in the tight T-shirts and the, the very blokey Australian guy. Um, he, one of his best roles, for me at least, I think one of the best roles is, is his character in Malcolm, because I just love Malcolm. If you haven't seen it... It hadn't even occurred to me that that was the guy in Malcolm. It really Oh, happened. really? Wow, yeah. And he plays, a, he plays an ex-con who is basically sort of gets out of jail and immediately starts committing crimes again. And he's really that kind of cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth, real Aussie bloke and, and lovable, not very smart. And I just talked over Callum then when he said, watch Malcolm, so I'll say it as well. Watch Malcolm. Malcolm is absolutely wonderful. It's a 1980s film with Colin Friels. It's yep. not exploitation. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. And just jumping back, John Hargraves died January 8, 1996, at the age of 50. 50. Yeah, and it's he's got some amazing characters. He's in a movie called The Odd Angry Shot, which is a Vietnam film, Australia's kind of Incredible primary Vietnam film. movie. Mm-hmm. Again, another wonderful movie. Uh, yeah, really, really beloved actor. And interestingly, he got Best Actor for this film. If yes, we sort he of did. jump not, to awards. Not in Australia. No, he got it from the Catalonian, which is a Spanish film festival. <laughs> he was up for the Best Actor in a Genre film. And he was against Laurence Olivier in yes, Dracula. This was massive. The it was people huge. he was against. Yep. He he was up against Laurence Olivier in Dracula, Klaus Kinski in Nosferatu, and Donald Pleasance in Halloween. And the judging panel of Richard Burton, <laughs> Pierre Salinger, Borowitz, and Gore Vidal w- so, awarded him Best Actor. Isn't that amazing? It's That's phenomenal. Just the most and he actually, as his request, he was actually buried with his Best Actor Award for this one. Yeah, he chose, yep. So he chose to be buried with this this one because so obviously, his and his performance is is really good. As we've said before, you you genuinely have a motive reaction to these two people, yes. whether it's necessarily a good reaction or not. You hate them. You really feel about them, and that's kind of the key to acting: is to if you're meant to be the bad person or you're meant to be hated be hated you you know you don't need to be a, a beloved character to have done a good job of acting no, you just absolutely. need to yeah certainly i'd say one of the reasons i so convincingly dislike these characters is because they're played pretty well yeah oh uh, yeah. yes of course and brownie bats too oh brownie bats is amazing in this as well yeah uh, they originally uh didn't want her in the film i don't know who they did want originally i can't remember but, but... uh because she was married to the director Mm. <laughs> and yeah, and she ended up doing it again, as we've said, you're meant to hate her. You're meant to come out of the gate hating this person. Whether the movie successfully brings you across to her side, I began to feel for her in the way of she's obviously a fish out of water. She hates being there. She doesn't want to. You do feel that she's being forced into not just this environment, but also the... The, the, yes. the abortion and everything. That's right. So the fact that you can even begin to kind of think sympathetic sorts for her, given how she starts. Well, I didn't hate her to begin with. Oh, okay. I, I found her annoying, but it was very much her annoying, hand yeah. was being forced. And I just thought he, you know, the husband character is dumb for just not listening or not picking up on any cues. Mm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And the... They had this terrible relationship. He's wondering why they don't have sex. Like, well, because you're awful to each other? Yeah. That be it? And also, again, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just a, a modern-day sensibility, if there's obviously this kind of issue with sexual interaction, going somewhere where there are no showers 
and oh, that's the ability such a good and, point. A, and, a, and basically where you're going to get grotty pretty damn fast. Oh yeah, you're right. He could have saved all that money on the camping gear, taken it to a luxury resort. That relationship would have been way better. I, I think she actually said pretty much literally that in the film, doesn't she? At one point, say that the amount of money he spent on the camping gear could have been spent yeah, on an really amazing nice hotel, hotel oh, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes. she actually says that, suggesting maybe bubble baths and cleanliness and and gentleness and yeah, closed off to the elements. But <laughs> There's a scene near the start and when she tells him that she needs to go find somewhere to pee, there he's gone to show her the beach. So mm-hmm. it's it's the first thing in the next morning, he's cooking food and chopping down a tree for no reason whatsoever. Because <laughs> it's there. Because it's there. And <laughs> takes her up this little hill to show the beautiful beach and the beautiful view. And it is lovely. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's why I said beautiful twice. <laughs> <laughs> but then they sort of play wrestle and tumble down this sand dune. I'm just like, you have sand everywhere now. Oh, yeah. 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 She is in a blouse <laughs> and panties, basically. Yep. It's like this, that's not going to end well for anybody. Mm. Yeah. In fact, like an awful lot of other horror film characters, she doesn't wear a brassiere. No. Um... She does have a rather spectacular body. She does. quite stunning. And actually, they mention uh, at one point, again, during the commentary, and I'll I'll stop sort of referencing the commentary, but they do say that it is book and boob sequence that's actually one of the things that really dates the movie. I mean, obviously, the very short shorts and the the tidy T-shirt and so on, the the outfits are one of the things, but that's not a scene that would probably have played out the way it would in a movie today, I don't think. I don't know. Uh, Well, yeah. Uh, in the 80s, there just had to be a boob shot. That was oh, it. yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so this is just a and I mean, not bit of that, but in, in exploitation generally. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, there's got to be boobs, that's well, it. No, I, w- I would say more than exploitation. I mean, think about if you go back to Terminator. Well, no, no, no. Uh, Terminator has got gratuitous yep. boobs. I'm just trying to think of some of the other ones. I mean, not Halloween. Halloween, yeah. There is almost always a shower stroke boob sequence at some point. I mean, there's a reason why, and again, I'm assuming that if because you Because movies are made for 14-year-old boys. Well, there was maybe that too, but I was going to say that if you're a fan of this podcast, you probably would at least be aware of Honest Trailers. The, you know, the boobs sequence, there's a reason it's there. It's this little, yep, yeah, okay, as you say, bring in the 14-year-old boys or girls that are into that, you know, boobs are boobs. They're Absolutely. Uh, I'm not uh, disagreeing with your diversity message, literally. <laughs> <laughs> literally, films are, well, at least, mm. mostly marketed to 14-year-old boys. Actually, yeah, boys. that's a really good point. That's actually a thing, isn't it, that there, yeah, there is a specific, it is. it's a specific market. Mm. Just side by one of the most gratuitous, again, still in the horror genre, and still back with Halloween, you have someone who spills a bit of something on her shirt while she's cooking. So has to take the whole thing off? They say everything off. <laughs> it's in her kitchen which her, with her kid sibling in the next room. Right. Yeah. Let's take it all off and just puts on a single shirt over just her knickers and nothing else, which just happens to be sitting in the corner of the kitchen. And it's the same outfit. It's probably a popular outfit in these movies. Yeah, I was going to say. the shirt and the pants. Yeah, it really is, it isn't is it? A generic, it yeah. is a generic outfit, isn't it? The either unbuttoned or, or buttoned with one or one, two buttonholes. Collared yeah. shirt, oversized collared shirt mm. and panties. It's such a generic those speaking of the 70s, look how I loved her outfit in the first scenes of this film when she's in the house. Oh, really? It was just gorgeous. Yeah, I don't have that. I was a bit disturbed later, uh, though, when they had matching jumpers. Yeah, there's a secret. That was just matching, weird. Matching tracksuit. Actually, that was the one other thing I was thinking, you know, it's something else going to date this movie, the matching, matching tracksuit. Matching tracksuit jumpers. <laughs> 
Which only lasts until he gets attacked by the Sea Eagle because that's the outfit he gets hammered by the Sea Eagle. That's in. true. Which I, I guess if he's like they can he can just wear hers later if she's got another one. <laughs> oh, of course. They are open it up like 17 just racks of like <laughs> light blue tracksuit pants with, 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 with dark stripes. blue stripes yeah and it's actually the sea eagle is the first sequence where nature attacks up until then everything that's happened to them is self-inflicted but that's the first moment that nature fights back well, before we do the possum. Have, we're not paying attention to the bugs or the ants well yeah ants yeah. and just other the seagull ants i'm sorry i, I have to ant. i have to i have to say this okay, now please. okay because i've got this written down about. The sound of the screaming ants when she sprays the bug spray on them... I am not aware of this at ...is all. seagulls. Maybe... The ants screamed? Because she goes into the tent, she pulls out the bug spray and she sprays the ants... And instantly they cut in audio of seagulls fighting, probably over a chip or something. I missed that. You, you missed this completely. What about you, Daria? I, I think missed... I probably thought it was seagulls because they're at the beach. Because they're at the beach, well, yeah, fair. But you don't see seagulls around. I'd assume that this was actually because the way it's cut, it's like it's the sound the ants are making when they're sprayed. And I'm like, wow, it's magic bug spray that turns ants into seagulls. Oh, oh, a note so, on the yeah, ants because they shot that, that in a studio and ants escaped and ants got everywhere. Oh, really? And you actually couldn't make that movie now because they actually use bug spray. You can't. Yeah, they did actually mention so that. So the... if you've got a scene with 12 ants in it, you've got to find those 12 ants mm-hmm. by the end of the shoot. Mm, yeah, Otherwise, I... you can't have the no animals were harmed. Mm. Yeah, I remember an, another film, and I don't remember which one, but I remember a long discussion that they had some insects or another, and the filmmakers didn't know of those stipulations, and they were like, told the end, okay, now go and get the, I think they were flies, and they're like, what do you mean, get the flies? <laughs> <laughs> and was... it doesn't matter what creature it is, if it's something, if it's a cockroaches, yep, you're yep. going to find those cockroaches and put them back in the box and send them home. I think there's a big question about Raising Arizona in the Coen Brothers film. Yeah. There's a sequence where the bad guy, the, the sort of the bounty hunter, actually kills a fly. And it's just one of those sequences when you watch it on film, it really doesn't seem possible that the fly could have survived. But, of course, nobody really knew back then whether or not they actually did it in a way that actually had them save the fly. But, yeah, you, right. you'd need to... It's ironic because you can imagine a scene where people are concerned that there's flies buzzing around the scene. So they'll spray the bug spray around. Yeah. Then they'll start the cameras rolling. And at that moment, nothing's allowed to be killed in front of the camera. Meanwhile... Yes, yeah. Where she uses so much bug spray, I'm surprised the ants don't turn white. <laughs> Crystallised. <laughs> like me and your mum killing a spider. I was about to say, that's the way that you kill huntsmen, is you don't let the chemicals take effect. You basically crystallise the thing. And then you vacuum them up, and then you spray bug spray down the hose of the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, and then you put the vacuum cleaner outside, Jesus. and then you set it on fire. <laughs> and then you move. I may be <laughs> Life in Australia. I may be slightly exaggerating those last points. <laughs> Now, there was one thing I did notice as well. We were talking about the fact that he sets a bushfire. Well, I'm sorry, no, he starts a fire going outside. With his outside. cigarette. The, or at the, with his cigarette out the car or at the yeah. campsite? Oh, no, out the car. Okay, yeah, um, that one. Mm-hmm. There is actually a sequence uh, where one of the, where the sun is setting where there's very clearly smoke on the horizon, oh. and if you're an Australian, you'd recognise it as being a bushfire, bush yeah. whether it's a backburn or something. So whether that was just intentional or... I mean, there's a lot of the stuff they talk about in the production where they say that it just happened to be what 
that place was like. Yes, they just got incredibly lucky, didn't they? They really did. All the shots that are done driving down that road where you've just got the barest sort of hint of trees coming Mm. out of pitch blackness, which again and again is referred to as the Snow White sequence of vanishing into the forest. He deliberately wanted this image of going further and further into the middle of nowhere, which that area of Bega really was. They actually did say, as you said, they had to camp out there. It was really genuinely middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's nothing there. Uh, they there's said it was still nothing there, very spooky. So yeah, so maybe it was just completely coincidental that there was obviously some kind of fire happening. But it's definitely a a thing that an Australian would probably clock as Yeah, there's bushfire out there somewhere. Whether yes. it's intentional that he started it or who knows. Maybe just... it's from the shot blowing up in next of kin. I'm still forging my shared cinematic universe for exploitation. I love it. I'm just waiting for the sequence where Mad Max drives past in the background. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, this is a few years before Razorback, so obviously nature has decided to stop Ooh. screwing around and just sends a mega pig out to just uh, eat people. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Screw the freaking dugong. All that thing did was crawl slowly up the beach painting bits of it red, damn it. I Razor, think... make me proud. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to make a timeline. <laughs> when they made this film, they describe it as a chiller movie, which is a yeah. phrase that's not really used very much anymore. Oh, it used to be used? Well, yeah. I remember the chillers were a big thing. I mean, I guess we I call it a thriller now. Yeah, well, uh, well no, we use an esky. Yes. I don't think they make thresky movies. <laughs> I don't know what a thresky movie well, is. Esky's a brand. Ah, is it? You have to bleep this part. I never know that. This at that stage of life. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how much they've been having to fight off, but Esky is a particular brand of portable. I think it might be. I think it's Australian, or is it one of those Australian brackets? It's actually New Zealand ones. I'm not sure. Everything's Australian. New Zealand doesn't exist. It's a pretend place that we say that we, if we're not too sure that something will work, it's we the say, place "Oh, it came we from all New Zealand." We move to because Jacinda Ardern is fantastic. Yeah, as I think we said before, New Zealand is absolutely Australia's Canada. Uh, <laughs> can New Zealand adopt us, please? There's <laughs> <laughs> some Kiwi exploitation films. Oh, that'd be amazing. Well, someone asked if they exist. I suppose they do. I got, they've got to. Well, I mean, you could argue well, that all of John, um, uh, John. Um, uh, all of Jackson, uh, Peter Jackson's Jackson. early early. <laughs> I just got there by the be... cigarette. Which one's the ci- oh, that's terrible? <laughs> gosh. Oh god! Yeah, all of Peter Jackson's early work would, at the very least, be sh- sort of you know deep genre films. But they'd be not all of it. He did Forgotten Silver, and he also did Beautiful Things. Beautiful Things. Yeah, I think so. What's the the one about the sisters that kill their parents? See, Ooh. I thought that that was later enough that he was like a yes, a yeah. grown up director by then. No, no, no. This is very interesting. So he did Bad Taste and Brain Dead and Meet the Feebles. He then did Beautiful Things because he'd become really well known, but it was still a New Zealand film. Then Hollywood. Okay, I'm hoping this. Well, is I didn't right. mean it was New Zealand, but I mean by then he was no longer making um, these no. wi- wild, horrible movies. Well, that's the thing. If what I'm saying is correct. He made beautiful things because he had the skill set. Hollywood said, my God, this is amazing, and brought him to America and basically gave him a bucket of money and said, make a movie. And so he made Frighteners because he had a Hollywood budget and they were hoping he'd make something incredibly beautiful and artistic. And he basically made the movies that he was enjoying (laughs) making like Bad Taste and Brain Dead only with an American budget and Ghosts (laughs) and Michael J. Fox. I believe. So don't quote me on that. Grain of salt. Yes. But apparently, is it Bad Taste or Brain Dead is getting a high-def re-release, a Blu-ray oh, release? Oh, it doesn't need that. No, it really does. No, it doesn't. It that doesn't it need to be high-def. Knowing how much money he had, did he even shoot it in high-def? 
Oh, God, no. God, no. Although, again, with this one, and this is something that I picked up a couple of times, this was filmed in Panavision. Now, they were using a camera, which was a quarter million dollars, which is almost the entire budget of the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, awesome. There's something about these Australian movies that they managed to get really good equipment. Razorback was the same. Next to Kim was the same. This this was a camera that came over from the US, wasn't Mm. it? And they had to build a casing for it for underwater. Yep. And not tell anyone about it because they would have just freaked out. Oh, this homemade thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as apparently it didn't quite fit inside anyway, and it It, got quite wet at one point. Inside any of the old ones, they they used a bit of PVC pipe. Got a lot of PVC pipe. (laughs) Must have been a Bunnings near (laughs) (laughs) Bigger. Yeah, it was again this sort of amazing widescreen I, I actually meant to write down what the ratio was but it's something it's oh, something huge that actually is similar as yeah it, Razorback and so on and it means that you get to use because I think one of the things that pretty much anyone can agree is that the Australian landscape is is pretty magnificent so when you get these incredible widescreen cameras you really do get to use the landscape as part of the as, as part, <laughs> sorry, part of the actual character almost in the film. Sorry, I'm watching that, my cat. That pause is because we're recording this in the kitchen and Callum has put bird feeders outside the window and we have two kittens and the kitten has discovered bird. On yeah. the other side of the window, both are safe. Yeah, yeah. these are indoor No kittens. lives will be lost. <laughs> We've got tentative paws and airplane ears. Yeah. Airplane ears? Yeah, I was going to say before that the I, way that the ears go. Oh, no, I, I just didn't know it was a... Is that a thing? Or is that a thing that you say? I think, I think others have said it. It's pretty cool. It wasn't even something I was aware of until no. Callum pointed it out. Yeah, she actually drops the ears down when it's time to hunt. Yeah, so, no, I, again. <laughs> I'm looking forward to our studio. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yet again, a, a really tight-budgeted Australian film has got this amazing aspect ratio because they've got some pretty huge camera equipment. And they actually had a Panavision camera, so a lot of the... They intentionally kept the camera moving so that you get a real impression of a third person watching these two, which was part of that whole, you know, very similar to when they... <laughs> <laughs> The other one, the dumb one, because this, <laughs> this is powered, and so water comes out, and she, she was, yeah, pushing the water off for some reason. I know. Are we Why picking that up? Water in your oh yeah, well, are we really picking that up? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just Can looked. I put water in the next room, darling. All right, are you done? Well done. <laughs> oh my god! Might be allowed, but. So, yeah, so they had this incredible camera equipment. The intent of the camera moving was to kind of get this sort of oppressive third person watching the whole event sort of thing. And in the early points, it's just simply, you know, tracks laid down, big Panavision camera. Right at the very, very ending of the filming, they actually acquired a camera called a Pana... Pana... Ah. Sonic. No, it's it's like Panamotion or Pana... Maps. Something or other. It's it's basically a camera that can be moved, maintaining the, the Panavision okay, aspect right, yeah. ratio, but is much more mobile. And so they actually finished it with this kind of very mobile camera that, again, would have probably cost 
you know, twice the budget all over. So, Which yeah. is really impressive for the cinematographers and mm. director of photography and all just using this equipment would have been very new to them and they just did, a, mm. they did an excellent and I, job out of it. I honestly didn't get that it looks like a third person watching them for most of the film. No, there I mean... There's basically, I think, only one scene. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes where they deliberately hide it behind a bush or something mm. and you get the impression they're being watched, but it was just more about getting a general vibe of... If it's a still camera, you very much just get the impression you're watching a movie, whereas if you've got a moving camera, you're kind of... There are some shots where they're walking and the whole camera kind of pans all the way yes, around yes, them very slowly. Yeah. But the other good thing about this wide aspect ratio is the sequences where they want to show isolation. Like There's a couple of shots of the campsite where the camera's in a high position and you've got the tiny little campsite in the middle of the frame and a big wide section of you know bushland and mm. stuff on both sides. So it really helps that sense of isolation. What was with the van? Again, is this another sort of sequence of, yeah, is the world attacking? Because this is the van that actually passes them. This nearly killed the uh, EP. No. So the dark shape in the water while Peter is swimming was a bunch of plastic bags that were also tied to Richard Brennan. Yeah. And he couldn't get free of them and uh, nearly drowned. So no executive producers were harmed in the making of this. <laughs> Apparently he actually wrote in his production diary on the day, failed to play dugong. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the one thing I will just I, I will try and just sort of say is that yeah the, the actually no I think we've we've done all that we managed to get the recording on the camera disregard yes I was going to say on the third person thing the idea that the camera was a third person watching certainly in the first part of the film I really felt that partly because of the actors doing it so well you know if you ever like stuck in the room when a couple just start fighting oh yes. Yeah, it's See, really I uncomfortable. Was yeah. the third person in the act. I mean, I think it is. Although, as they say, rather than it being a two-point drama, it is actually a three-point drama because the dog is a character in this, and the dog actually well, the dog is used. Do a lot. No, but that's the thing is, as opposed to say Alien, where the dog, where you know, where uh, Jonesy the cat is really yes. significant in the, in, the dog is another innocent that's been kind of taken to the bush, and of course, then does form part of that whole. Oh no, I killed your dog, so therefore you don't need to. You know, I killed your dog, therefore you, we can go. Away. Actually, that's things. a good point, the dog being an innocent. Yeah. Oh, go go go. The sequence where he actually is halfway through changing the tyre and then the rainstorm happens. Oh, yeah. He leaves the back of the car open. Yes. And I'm like, hey, what's stopping the dog from getting out? I remember that. But mm. Well, is it meant to be that he doesn't know the dog's there? She doesn't know the dog's there? Like... No, I think the dog's she actually... says you knew, didn't you? What's that about? Yeah, I think the dog's actually been revealed by that point, hasn't it? Because the dog's well, coming. Well, no. So we saw the dog. It was given three tins of dog food and left outdoors. Oh, right. Which was... And the, then we next see it in yeah. the car, in the back but of the van. I mm. thought the three cans of food was dismissed at the time as being a bad idea, which, you know, it yeah. really is. Well, yes. Yeah, is that what the... You knew, we... didn't you, is? Because, yeah. I, I do not know what the you knew, didn't you, 
was referring to. Yeah, the only I, thing I could think of was the dog. That the dog was in the car. car. Yeah, I kind of get the impression that he either brought the dog in or let it in, and and you. And how do you not notice a dog? And yeah. also, how does he know any more than she would being in the same car? Yeah. Yes. And also, he's a really terrible driver as he drives his own car into the back of his own other car as well. I just want to point that out as well. There's no damage done, which is impressive, because it it wouldn't have hurt the, uh, what is it, Land Rover? No, it's... uh, Now... That is, a, it's a Nissan Patrol. Oh, they all, Patrol. They all look the same oh, at that stage. Course, so the, the Land Rover, yeah. yeah, Land Rover Defenders, the Toyota Land Cruisers, and Nissan Patrols were all had that very boxy shape. However, awesome. at the time, Nissan and Datsun were ubiquitous in Australia. They were ubiquitous. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Nissan and Datsun were interchangeable because they were the same company. And half the time, you yeah. could have something Nissan. Sometimes Datsun, and sometimes both. This car has both. And it's only when it's actually bogged that you see it's got a Datsun name. So, so, so Nissan are protecting themselves. You can't see the Nissan in that. You can't see the Nissan and suddenly it becomes a Datsun the minute it got bogged. I actually does, wrote that down. Does that switch under the seat change from Nissan to Datsun? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just read something really interesting on IMDb Trivia. Mm. When the film was screened at the Cannes Film Festival, producer Richard Brennan noticed a man get up and leave screening after only 10 minutes of the film. Fuck all happened to the first 10 minutes of the film. Yeah, they just slowly... Well, I think the first 10 minutes of the film is when they're beginning to get further and further into the wood. Well, no, because we have her on the phone. We've got him speaking to a random woman on the street in the city mm. Yep. with his gun in a box. Yep. And then we've got her on the phone and mm. then him in traffic. And so very little happened in the first 10 minutes. But Richard Brennan followed the man out. It turned out he was a film distributor for South America and was going to buy the rights to the film after only seeing that much of it. In total, four foreign distributors bought rights to the release of the picture during the screening. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? So I guess it shows just how compelling that opening sequence of just you know, establishing where they are and what's going on, the idea that pretty much any payout would it's be worth it. It's just selling Australia. Yeah, it really seems to be. Even though... And yes, there might be the dead rue. This isn't what I would call a classic Australia that people imagine in the same way as when you see an opening sequence from a Crocodile Dundee or well, a Mad no, Max. Well, no, because that's romantic. Well, okay, Mad Max, not romanticised. No. Well, well, yeah, but, but that's what I mean is that... No, I know... I mean, you know, Big is actually literally down the road from Canberra. I mean, <laughs> okay, in Australia, that means an hour and a half to two hours down the road. Um, <laughs> but Big is... It's a different version of the word literally. Yeah. <laughs> so Big for us in, in Canberra is, is really quite close. And that whole area is very much this as you as you get towards the sea. You've got this not quite mangroves, but you've got the kind of barrier of wilderness trees and stuff. But it's not what I would class as postcard Australia. You don't see well, the beach is beautiful. It's very oh, the beach calm, is gorgeous. Well, it's not well, he does actually surf at one point. He Although does he doesn't thing. surf because John Hargraves couldn't surf. He did a whole bunch of other stuff, but they had to get a uh, stand it was local, wasn't surf. it? I think it might have been, actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not what I class as classic Australia. And, you know, we've talked before about how... There's a sort of a weird dichotomy in that if you want to sell a film as an Australian movie, you put as much Australia in there, you put wildlife, and there is a, there's like an almost a, a shot for shot, there's a Tassie Devil and a Koala and a Wallaby why the and fuck so is there on. a Tassie Devil? Well, clearly, <laughs> well, maybe that's why Australians hated it. It's like, well, that's obviously bollocks. The suggestion is, is that Australia, because as we've said before, the stuff that attacks them is the non-dangerous stuff. So the idea that you might hear, oh, there was this movie I saw where a possum attacked a camper, it seems almost ridiculous, even though possums are genuinely vicious. I mean, they've got some really oh, hardcore claws and stuff. Although they're not as feral as American possums. American possums are just horrible. Oh, no, like are absolutely beautiful. Oh, they're adorable. Creatures. They sound like zombies. If ever you yeah. hear an Australian possum... Every Australian 
creature sounds like it's <laughs> trying to kill you or is being killed. Pretty much. I think zombie movies are scarier here. Oh, yeah. Because you go Sometimes outside both. and you hear yeah. the, the wildlife. It's and terrible. Yeah. Very walking dead outside. So, yeah, you've got, got this Australia that is very much a real Australia. It's very much an Australia that, that a lot of people would be familiar with coming from that, uh, that area, that sort of southeast coast of New South Wales. But is not what you would push when you're trying to push Australia mm. to a foreign audience. And part of the argument about exploitation type movies is that they're they're not they're, they're trying to make themselves genre based. So they're often mm. deliberately, as we've said before, shying away from this kind of culty Australia. Here's a kangaroo. Here's a demon. Even though this film does pretty much exactly that. It's you know here's a koala. Here's a here's a whatever to make it not. Aggressive, even though nature's meant to be aggressive in this, I don't, I don't understand their choice of creatures. It's very strange. Well, I do. It's because if they were creatures we all knew to be aggressive, or in the habit of, of attacking people like s- spiders, snakes, whatever else, then it would just look like, well, why have these tools gone and hung around a whole bunch of venomous and attacking creatures? Why they just go home? Whereas. To get across message that nature's decided to ramp up her game and has obviously told the benign creatures with the mission of taking out the humans. That is so obvious. I feel like a doofus for actually not realising it, of course. And this goes back That's, to the uh, yeah, well, Eric de Roche done. quote that I started with. He said, I also wanted to avoid a Jaws-like critter film. I wanted the long weekend beasties to be all benign looking and not overtly aggressive. There we go. It's yeah, that makes perfect sense. That absolutely. And the Tasmanian devil can never look benign. No, but, but they don't get attacked that, by a Tasmanian devil. No, they don't. It, just the sea one. eagle is maybe borderline. Although there is actually a sequence that the shot with the incredibly beautiful black swan on the flat water. Mm. Of course, everyone, well, not everyone, but most people in Australia would probably know that swans are vicious as hell and can actually break <laughs> it, break your arm. The, the black swan in particular is really hardcore. So, no, yes, that makes perfect sense. I didn't know black swans were more <laughs> aggressive than other swans. Is that racist? Wow. <laughs> it wasn't until you asked that question. It's like um, cards against humanity all over again. <laughs> Are they the same actual kind of swan, or is it more than just a different I, feather colour? I don't know. I think they're a different... I, I know they're a more aggressive Because there breed. is a black version of the word albino. Oh, is there? There is, yes. Oh, But cool. I can't think what the word is. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know either. No, that's really interesting. Oh, that's a thing that's, that exists. There we go. We've learnt something today. Uh, but no, I know that's what the... Black swans are, can be very aggressive, especially when it's kind of breeding season. They can actually have a crack at you on the shorefront because, of course, they look lovely and, well, you know, oh, they look beautiful. black. But, yeah. I always associate black white. swans with uh, Western Australia, though. Mm, me Same. too. And South Australia. Western Australia and South Australia. I always think of them as a Perth or Adelaide type birds. But certainly right. not Melbourne, Bega or no, Tasmania. But as we've said, the wildlife in this movie kind of bounces all around Australia. Yeah, it so, does. Uh, yeah. They're in some extra state we don't know about, which which has the abortion laws that fit the plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's some really funny stuff on IMDb trivia. Have you both read it? I seem to have read most of them. Oh, I thought it. The possum that bites Peter had to be heavily tranquilised <laughs> so it would move slow enough to be seen attacking him. Yeah. I, the tree that gets hot. Starts to fall apart, yep. Uh, yeah, but it's not actually from the forest. It was cut and brought in so they could destroy it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do know that they had to executive jet in the dead kangaroo yes. on the road because no roof they got hit. Find it. And there was something else I was going to say about the possum. Oh, yeah, and apparently that was the second take because the first time it just moved too fast. Yeah, they didn't right. actually get the bite on the prosthetic hand. 
Oh, I didn't see what happened at the one hour mark. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of it either. Did yeah. anything? Oh, hang on. I, might I, see the... I know that Where's the... I know that the first... Do you want me to check? It's still on the screen oh. in there, isn't it? Uh, no, I actually turned it all off. Just to make sure it didn't sort of auto-start up in case one of the oh, cats walked over. So I can just scroll up. Cool. Because the one thing I was going to say is I did notice that the first time that nature actually attacks is about 47 minutes in. That's when the sea eagle just suddenly swoops out for no reason. Mm. Yeah. That was actually because I, I just was watching the director's commentary. Normally it'd be some kind of a revelation, so maybe it's around the time she they have the discussion on the beach with the um, abortion? That's what it's looking like because I just got to 58.25 and we're in the car. There we go. That's when the closest thing we get to an actual explanation of what the hell's going on. Yeah. Something I don't normally do on this one, but there is actually a book that I'd recommend that's kind of sort of of a similar basic feel, which is a series by Harry Harrison called Death World, which is a sci-fi series, but it's basically about an entire planet that's that's anti-people, and every aspect of it is just the worst. I don't think I know this series. I'm going to write it down, oh, which, of right, course, okay. I'm assuming we have a dozen copies I've got of it, house. yeah. And it is. It's, it's the entire planet. You know, the plants are toxic. The wildlife is horrendous. Every single thing will kill you kind of thing, which is obviously Why this thing movie dialed up to 11. Mm-hmm. It's the second, second Jodie Whittaker, Doctor Who. Oh, oh yeah. Hadn't thought about it that way. Well, it's like, the sun is too hot. And there's nothing you can eat. There's nothing you can drink. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a nice little thing. It just sort of made me think about that kind of stuff. In Soviet Russia, rag is on you. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> the inhabitants of the other vehicle, were they just another poor bunch of sorts who got in nature's way, you think? I Yeah, I, I don't know. I do not understand the van. I don't understand its role there. Yeah, it was an almost Well, the mini- kind of is because there's a dead child inside the van. Wait, what? There? Isn't there a dead child inside the van? Oh, well, no. Well, I yeah. Just, yeah, but I just assumed that that was the people that were in it. So somehow they died. Well, they, apparently they drove their van into the middle of the ocean. Uh, yeah, they, they, unless the water rose, yeah, like well, this the tide is, coming in. This mm. is the question we're wondering, if they just happened along uh, and then they drove their car into the water... Well, it's, it's or really... did the water take the car? Which, well, to go with the theme of the film, would make more sense. Yeah. Or did some, like, gecko take the handbrake off or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess this is one of those things that you know going into the movie the type of film it's going to be by default. You know that the couple are going to be in danger somehow. And the film does this really weird thing of... Well, not weird thing, but this, the film does this really interesting thing of establishing threat from everything. Yes, so, yeah. You know, he nearly has the accident against the car, but then he gets really, really close. Oh, sorry, then the, the van gets really, really close. You know, he, he doesn't pay attention. He has almost that yeah, yeah. drifting across the road. The truckie who looks through the window and stares at his wife. The In the early stages, every part of it is, you know, is that the dangerous bit? Is that the dangerous bit? He sees the van parked away. Does that mean that there are people But it's the people all the dangerous. Now? Or indeed, it's none of the dangerous bit, and it's just purely because the it, nature. It turns out, you know, it's none of the nature... Really hurts them much. They, no. they are the, they were the killers all along. <laughs> and that's what I mean is that at the end of the day, you could almost see this film as two people who just go batshit crazy under the circumstances, and almost none of it, with the exception of the unprovoked sea eagle attack, is really anything particularly terrible. Mm. Well, not unprovoked. Wasn't the sea eagle attacking them because she of the egg. the egg? Yeah, yeah, and then subsequently smashed the egg against the mm. tree. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so there's not. But she smashed the egg after the eagle attack, didn't she? Yeah, she does. Yeah. She yeah. she says it wants its egg back, and then smashes it against a tree. 
Really? Could it have been that hard to just put the egg well, down somewhere? Is the abortion no, this is true. And so what? Now she just has to smack out any unborn oh, she comes across. And then he's like, "Why did you do that? Well, why were you chopping down a tree to begin with? Why are you <laughs> shooting into the ocean? Why? Oh, is the dog deaf? By the way, it does not react to any of the gunshots at all. No, it's really weird. Yeah. Well, I was trying to work. Maybe out. it is because he just shoots stuff all the time, and the dog's gone deaf. <laughs> We're trying to work out whether the gun actually shot, because there's a sequence after he, the second time, when, by the way, the dugong has a fin, because we see a fin in the water in the distance. Oh, you're uh, telling us you're better than mine. Maybe. It's just the second time when he actually goes back and then sort of blasts the dugong. You actually see a fin in the water. Oh. Why would you shoot it? Oh, anything, anyway. but anyway. But, but then he sort of stands up and he's shooting from a distance. And I was trying to work out, because there's no flash from the muzzle and there's not very much kick on the gun whatsoever. Good point, good point. But Marcia does jump a couple of times, and I don't know if that's just because Bryony Betts is actually a really good actor. Well, she's a good actress. actress. Whether she's acting about the jump when he kind of lands and he's just just responding to the click. Looks very natural, Or if there are genuine bangs. Yeah, it's so it could just be the fact that maybe there were no rounds. Firing a gun with nothing in it, as you know, there's still sound. Oh, yeah, there's a click, and that's what I'm wondering is is if the actress is maybe just pretending to jump Mm. at the click, uh, and maybe the dog is just, yeah, as you say, deaf. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Or maybe the dog is deaf. Or the or just really well trained. Instead of the gun being empty, it had. Mm. <laughs> oh, the, sur- wow. the surname of the animal trainer was Doggett, by the way. Yes, that's right, Mrs. Doggett. <laughs> well, certainly in story he was shooting, but that's not what you're asking, is it? No, no. no. no I just is what. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you would know that, but that wasn't what I was asking. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, it really could be everything from. The entire world is going insane and we're just getting a two-person snippet of the world attacking people all the way through to a shitty, horrible couple that don't respect the environment have a shitty weekend because they don't respect the environment and they basically do it all to themselves, which I guess is... But that doesn't explain Sort of the, the point of the film. Um, oh, the van is just other people who don't pay attention. As you say, they park too close to the water and it takes them out to sea. Mm. Mm. There is something a bit that sometimes if someone's angry, then everything that happens will seem like some kind of deliberate effort or attack yeah. against them. Very true. Yeah. They're certainly angry to start with. Yeah, and I've had situations where I've just been in a really crappy mood, and then every little thing, oh my god, now there's traffic in front of me. Oh my oh, god, there's someone god, blocking yes, me. Oh yes. my god, I don't have the right change for the whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude, really, oh, that's back just... in the day where people carried money. <laughs> <laughs> And guns, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. Who knows what happened if that was Peter? So, oh, what changed for the machine? <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> Plainly, in those days, it did not screen your temperament before they have a gun. Mm. I did actually, funnily enough, when he's shooting the dugong, I did make the point about putting a remark down, let's put a whole lot of blood in the water. That'll scare the sharks away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fair point, Callum. Fair point. Now, and I guess then... I suppose it's almost a bit of a, a Rorschach test, this movie, about how oh, deep you want to go. Like, for example... Well, I've gone biblical. Well, yes, yes. Did you think the dugong was just not killed? Or do you think it was genuinely undead? Or do you think it was genuinely magic? I mean, for me, I just kind of got the impression... Well, I kind of got the impression that it just hadn't been killed. But at the same time, the first time he buries it, so even if it hadn't been killed at the time, the idea that it could then get free and make it all the way to camp... It could get washed up part of that, which would also unbury it. Exactly. No, oh, true, yeah. I mean, I didn't think zombie dugong purely because there were no other zombies in the film. No. Yeah, I thought it was just not all the way dead. Yeah. Yes. Even if it was just running on a few 
tweaks and reflexes. But cause... also, she was pining for her calf. Yeah. And with so that weird that... sound effect. That well, of really course it sounded creepy. like a baby. Well, yeah, but it was a really... I, I think I've only ever heard in film like a couple of times genuinely uber creepy sound effects. One of them, bizarrely enough, within in Up, the cry of the awful, mother bird. Awful Disney film. Yeah. No, it's a... Sorry, Disney. <laughs> Depressing as hell movie. The depressing as hell movie. I'll go with that one, maybe. It's not awful. Um, it's just depressing. But uh, yeah, the mother bird sound is just so heartbreaking. That just oh. the tone of the bird call is, just, and in this, that screaming weird cry. I really wanted them to explain how they made that sound because I was really intrigued. Yeah, there, uh, there are a lot of really interesting sounds in this mm. film. Mm. But which is in recorded in mono, by the way. Oh really? This was a oh, mono well, movie. Yeah, sense. it wasn't even stereo. Yeah. Did they remix it for the DVD or Blu-ray? I don't know. I thought I heard stereo effect. I do actually have a note saying that there's a sequence where mm. the uh, ambient noise actually becomes the Doppler tone as they're driving really, really well, that it actually feeds into oh, okay. that. Well but I don't then remember whether it was actually in stereo or not. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. You think I would have checked because I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, well, I got the DVD. I couldn't find the Blu-ray when I went looking for it, sadly. I ordered the Blu-ray on online because ah. I couldn't find it shop. Ah. So, how many stars? Hmm. I'm finding, okay, <laughs> I'm finding this movie very hard to score. I think the other two are as well. But also, mm. I, I'm overly generous with my score, and because I gave the Avengers of Barry McKenzie two stars, and of course, <laughs> that's a terrible film. But this, I, I can't give it a great score because it's not a great film. But there's, there's really very little wrong with this movie. Mm. Yeah. The acting is great. The cinematography is excellent it's beautifully shot maybe you're experiencing it as the australian audience has experienced it at the time nature has a crack at you of course it does it's australia yeah maybe well, you're, I think you're exactly right on yeah that. maybe you're not experiencing it at the because i'm australian if i go out in the bush i expect it to try and kill me even because that's and, what it does <laughs> even the soft and cuddly stuff. why i don't yes yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the soft and cuddly stuff, like, like I've said, even possums, even trees, even whatever. I mean, you know, we we've we've got a, a tree which in the in the far north of Queensland, which if you brush against it, will sting you for months. Literally, yeah. the sting is agonising for, for weeks months. and weeks and weeks. Yeah. So because how Australia, do I remember those. Oh god, really? <laughs> oh god, have you brushed against one of those? <gasps> yeah, because I, I used to go to Mackay as well. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, no, we... I don't. You Ma- used to go to Mackay plural times. Well, Raddy actually was horrified we were going to Mackay. She couldn't work out why we were going. Oh, gosh, I wish I remember that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you all came back, first thing Callum said to me was, I'm sorry, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Have you come back from, was it, two or three years up there? Oh, oh God. God. No, we were there for nine and months look, or so. Was it? Okay, yes, well... it was very short. Yeah, it was only it was only about ten months, and I well, I, still the fact that Caleb had gone straight back into it after all that time, and I will say in defence of Mackay, if we had Mackay listeners, we were actually viewing it through a very specific lens of not having a job and not having an income oh, or anything. Yeah, we actually and, uh, there are art galleries there now. Mm, we actually got a taste of what Mackay could be with a few dollars up your sleeve. So yeah, and the Mackay Library system, even back then, fan bloody tasting, really good. Yes, I think we've got our Mackay listeners back. <laughs> I know we've got at least one who's from Mackay. Oh, God. Oh, um, shit, two Chevy. Of... Well, there we go. Oh, shit, it's, well, it could be as many as three. <gasps> three whole listeners in Mackay. We've got one in Antarctica. I'm so excited over that. That's half the population. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. 
And we've lost them again. <laughs> bye, Mackay. Bye, Tasmania. We've come together. <laughs> if you could even out the weather. But yeah, no, I think maybe it is that you're just experiencing this because we assume Australia is out to kill us. Because it is. And I can um, really see how this movie did well overseas. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would give it... Actually, no, because some of the production stuff is done really, really well. And I do it's... genuinely think that it's one of John Hargrove's really good roles because he is such a hateable... Not hateable, but he's such an easily... Oh, he's dis- hateable. I don't know whether I hate, but I definitely dislike. And I certainly feel that what happens to them is kind of justified. Maybe that's the trick. Uh, I don't feel them both dying is justified. Oh, no, I'm not. I mean, obviously that's an extreme. <laughs> but as far as a movie character is as concerned... As far as a movie character, yes. I would sure, say sure. that they earn the ire of nature by their oh, sheer awfulness and terrible attitude to nature. So, yeah, I might, I don't know, I would give this one three out of five. Oh, sorry, three and a half, no. Actually, I'm going to give this one four, four out of five. That changed rapidly. It did, yeah. I'm just sort of, I'm, 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 as I'm saying it, I'm re-evaluating stuff. I'm going to go four out of five insta moldy frozen chickens. I'm going to go three out of five zombie dugongs. Uh-huh. And I'm sticking with three out of five dirty novels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Alrighty. Cool. So, if you haven't watched it, I don't know why you've listened this far if you haven't watched it, but mm. some people do it in that order. What the hell is wrong with you? If you haven't watched it, watch for yourself now and see if you agree with us. And if you don't, or if you do, maybe write into possibletaste at gmail.com and tell us about it. Cool. Wonderful. In the meanwhile, though, I've been Daria. I've been November. I'm still Callum. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Daria, November and Callum on Podsploitation, the Osploitation podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter as at Podsploitation, and by email to podsploitation at gmail.com. The theme music is Creation Time ID 121 by Kilo Cuts, used with their kind permission under Creative Commons. Their work can be found and purchased at musicbrowse.de. M-U-S-I-K-B-R-A-U-S-E dot D-E. All other clips are for review and illustrative purposes only and remain copyright of the respective holders and no claim or infringement is intended. No zombie dugongs were harmed during the making of this podcast. Just made me think of the whole movie as a one big Victoria bitter. So. <laughs> the ultimate Victoria, like the ad at the start of Cars at Eight Paris. You can get it, killing. <laughs> you can get it, Gyllenhaal. Oh, God.